Welcome to the 40K Lorecast. Hello and welcome to the 40K Lorecast with me, John Barsati, and Brad Chester. This guy. All right, so we're finalizing the invasion of Seoul. Where we are today is Horus has landed. They have taken basically the entire planet, barring, I don't know, five square miles, probably less than, of, of a fortress. They have definitely taken the gap, because that's where the Emperor's children are. Yeah, <laughs> the Emperor's children are in the gap. So what's going to happen now is Horus is going to win, or Horus is going to lose? Well, let's not forget that... There's some serious reinforcements that are either 30 minutes away, three years away, three months away. There is people, there are people coming and they're also the big hitters. They're the big hitters of the Imperium. Horace did a fantastic job of going all the people that I don't really know if I could win against. You should go on a snarf quest and find (laughs) stuff. Um, over here, yeah. this is a black area. I think there's something there. Yeah, you definitely should be on the other side of the galaxy doing this thing. It's really important. Super important. Yeah, I know that there doesn't seem to be any stars, and it's a black spot on the map. But there is. Trust but, me on this. Yeah, it, it's you, you'll, you'll figure out when you get there. Bye. Yeah. So like these people are all on the way. Also, Conrad Cruz, partially your fault. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so to kind of before we launch into this. The first kind of big push that the forces of chaos did failed pretty badly, actually. Um, they got pushed back at the, at the Eternity Wall. They got pushed back to the Saturday Gate. They actually got pushed back. So now they need to do another push because, as we said last time, they did their invasion. They kind of captured everything, but the Emperor's you know, psychic barrier is holding. The Blood Angels are holding. And to what Brad has alluded to, the first Dark Angel ships just appeared like 20 minutes ago. I mean, they're out by Pluto, but they are beelining towards Earth, and no one knows where the rest of... I mean, again, the Ultramarine Force is big, but Brad said it really well last time. The Dark Angels hold a grudge, so when they get there, it's over. So let's kind of just jump in so we can knock this bit out. So the first one I wanted to kind of... I think we should talk about here is a very fun story about Magnus with a surprise, you know, <laughs> a surprise guest piece. So... <laughs> Which, as usual, though, this is a could have been a nail in the coffin. But as usual, chaos has its own agenda. Exactly. So Magnus makes his move. Yeah. Magnus makes a pretty awesome move. To be yeah, honest. this is cool as shit. This is the first time I've seen like Magnus in the whole story. Be like, oh, yeah. But the problem is, is that Magnus is on a scavenger hunt. Magnus is trying to get something. Magnus could have solidified this position. He basically breaks through you know what let's actually just real just do a quick touch up of what magnus is going on so when, Ma- when magnus gave his soul over to chaos it's a, he basically broke apart into a bunch of shards he he was definitely doing what harry potter stuff did. yeah he did he who not be named yeah uh, his soul has, has fractured. Magnus is literally going around the galaxy trying to find his horse to rebuild himself. And, you know, we might as well spoil a spoiler alert. Grey Knights. I'm just going to leave it at that. Grey Knights. So Magnus knows that one of his shards, Malkador, has. 
And so despite all, and to me, I like this because when I'm reading the stories of the Horus invasion, I understand Pedarabo's goal. I understand Mortarian. Angron doesn't take long to figure out what's going on. Horus, all them. Magnus, I always struggle. What is his goal here? Why is he, because his, his legion's basically destroyed. Yes. I mean, there's nothing much. And he, but he's a like frontline fighter out of nowhere in the Horus, in the Horus heresy. And I, I remember I'm reading the books going like, I had the thought of like, did they just retcon this? Did I miss something? No, because he's a different person. He actually has his personality has mm-hmm. been shattered also. But now this story explains it, that his whole thing was he was just trying to get something. So while Horus is trying to kill the emperor, Mortarion's <laughs> trying to kill the emperor, emperor Angron's trying to kill everything. Pedarabo just wants to slap the door, door and, 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 and probably go home. Um, yes. And, and Fulgrim's, Fulgrim's just full-blown weird now. Um, they He's... Don't he is definitely the kid that you're not allowed to play. Yeah, exactly. Magnus seems to have this like really weird purpose. And so this is the point where we discover what the purpose is. And the purpose was he was going to break in, effectively break into, in quotations, the, the Emperor's Palace a la Ocean's Eleven. I was just about yeah, to say yeah, that. Yeah, he, Ocean's is on 11. A, yeah. he is on an elaborate psychic heist. Yeah, yeah. To go and steal back his shard. So while all this fight's happening, this is what he does. He actually, him and his, and his buddies cloak themselves and they sneak into the Emperor's palace. They can get through the Emperor's force field, through everybody. Which is impressive, though. He actually yeah. literally does a cabal ritual yeah. and makes it so and that he ghost can walks slide his way in. through it. Mm-hmm. And so while they're th- so he's now inside, while this, all this, this massive battle is happening outside the walls, the inside of the walls were safe. And Magnus just comes strolling down a hallway, and then Malkador is also strolling down shows up, the same way. hallway, which you can imagine pretty awkward meeting when dude who's supposed to be outside is inside and you know you're trying to kill each other. Also, Malgador is not supposed to be doing what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. That's also that piece. So, Malgador also has 14 other side plots that he's doing. And, you know, and he, but he wanted to go for a little bit of a walk. Um, so Malkador and Magnus run each other, at which point they begin to fight and... Magnus asks Malkador, hey, where's my shard? What's Malkador's response, Brad? Oh, he talks mad shit. <laughs> I mean, that's about all I can say. Yeah. He just says, hey, it's gone. You can never have it again. Go pound sand. You... Effectively, he calls him a whiny bitch yeah. and tells him to go away. And Magnus does not respond to that super well. Yeah. So this is one of those fun ones. Magnus kills Malkador. I Which mean, is a weird thing, by the way. I mean, just think from from my perspective, reading these books, where you're like, okay, the entire defense of this uh, of I don't know the loyal loyalists fall to two people, the emperor and Malkador, and one of them's randomly walking a hallway, runs into Demon Prince Primarch, and who, is now dead. Who also Voltron's him when yeah, he kills yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> he does. It's not like he dueled him and yeah. he suffered a, a blow no he, he just obliterated yeah. him. Yeah. and so and at this point magnus just decides well screw this i'm killing the emperor yeah he goes all in <laughs> with his chips on that he was like hey i got a pocket tens i'm good i'm all, good all in i were doing this and he just starts fighting his way towards the golden throne gets all the way there fights through everybody and has 
a very fun little plot twist of Brad, who's hanging out next to the Emperor? Surprise! Motherfuckers, <laughs> Vulcan's back. Vulcan is back. And Vulcan is pissed. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Vulcan's had a, a tough time. Yeah, Vulcan's died about 300 times now. And I think. You're not 100% sure how many, but yeah. it's, it's also been in some seriously terrible ways. Yeah. Because Vulcan was trapped via chaos. Yep. And. Yeah, when your crazy brother finds out that you're an eternal, welp, he might do terrible things to you over and over again. And Vulcan's not super excited that chaos exists for one, and that people are trying to kill his dad. Also, Vulcan's a paladin, yeah. and he's a good dude. <laughs> so these two begin now fighting in the middle of, basically in front of the Emperor's Golden Throne, who's, I'm assuming, paying mediocre attention. <laughs> well the funny thing is is they on this is one of the things in the early battles when you get brother on brother battles is the fact that because bad british dad has not told his sons about what's going on they don't know that their brothers are what being juiced up yeah. by peds from chaos are a hell of a drug you know what i mean <laughs> these guys yeah. are pretty like not passing the U the usada tests and Vulcan fights Magnus, and they go into it a little bit in the books. Vulcan should I, have wrecked it. I mean, it, should, it should have been an instant But I, but like, I think that no. Vulcan thought he was just going to walk through mm -hmm. Magnus, and then all of a sudden, Magnus is faster and bigger and stronger. Although one and psychically attacking him, which he wasn't ready for either. One Christmas I have the books here, though, is that they, 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 they make it clear that, yeah, Vulcan just kind of thought that way, but... Magnus is also a like fourteen foot winged demon prince right now with, with horns and giant with horns. You'd think Vulcan would have gone. All right, yeah, you know, Vulcan's but, a really good dude. We never said he's the smartest of dudes. Good craftsman. Yeah. Good craftsman. Yeah, he he makes one hell of a hammer, but maybe I don't know. Think for a second. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> hey, you doubled in size, and, and you can fly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, he's he looks different, man. Like you look, you've been working out. Like it's 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 a different thing. Of like, I don't remember like. You having wings but last time Every we were single up. one of these stories, they, they are consistent though, I think. Mm -hmm. Every single one time that a Primarch on Primarch battle happens, the first time somebody meets a chaos confused Primarch, That's true. they always have no clue and they don't think anything of it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess, again, it's, it is, I'm, I'm looking from the lens of a 41, of a 41,000, looking back at 30,000, of course, they wouldn't know what it was. It's like, true, know, but it's also, I think that. To be honest with you, I think all the Primarchs are pretty full of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And they just don't think, of course I'm going to win. I'm the best. Yeah, I've I've beat his ass before. I'll beat his ass again. Yeah, they're all just What's like, different? Whatever. Ooh, you got wings. Yeah, you Cute. were you were whiny yeah. before. You're probably going to be whiny yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Cute wings. So, but they, they begin fighting. And there is an element in the story that is kind of funny where more, uh, Magnus starts getting the better of him. And as he's basically beating Vulcan down, a random salamander runs in self -sacrifice. there. Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifices him. You use that strategy. Which I find funny because the guy self-sacrificed himself to stop his dad from dying, his dad who's an eternal and would have just come right back to Immediately life in a back. second half. Anyway, but at least this happened. Um, mm. So Magnus kills a random salamander and we'll name him we'll name him Ed. He eats his spinach Popeye yeah. style powers up gets Vulcan oh it, yeah yeah after that guy died it was basically like John Wick getting his puppy killed yeah he was like no yeah. 
and proceeds to put on his boots of mighty ass kicking. And he obliterates Magnus. Just wrecks him so badly. Magnus just has to run away and decides to go back to attacking the Emperor psychically. Which is a big thing. They go into this. And I think this is one thing that I do want to go into a little bit. Please. Because they have a... It's not just a psychic. You think psychic and you're throwing lightning back and forth kind of thing. This is not. This is a soul on soul. Your inner power. They are trying to go at each other. Like your inner fortitude. Right. Your will. They're battling. And while the Emperor's not going to lose this one, but Magnus is no joke. But the reason that it's even a battle is because the Emperor is trying to get him, hey, you... You should join. You don't, you know, you weren't the problem. Magnus did nothing wrong yeah. and tries to do that, but he shows them, unfortunately, he shows them the future. Well, I think like, and what ends up happening, what's interesting at this point is, and we're going to get to it in a second, um, some of the more splintering of chaos. But I think, in my opinion, is that at a certain point, it was around this, this element of the invasion of Seoul, all of the traitor primarchs kind of just accepted what their lot in life was they they seem to accept that this is not we're never gonna go back to the old days and i and and it's over and i see this a lot with magnus magnus was given a lot of opportunity to turn back but what happens here is the emperor gives him an offer and says look you can still come back to me i will accept you however there's a big but yeah however you have to let me kill all of your progeny yeah. All of them. The I can save thing. your soul and I can bring you back. The rest of them, not only do I not save them, we have to go hunt them down and kill all oh, of them. Oh, he doesn't save, but he's not just killing them. He wants to extinguish he, them. They're gone. Like, like you, everyone. Like he, and, he wants to kill them. Yeah. Body, mind, spirit, yeah. just gone. And, and I, I think I get where the emperor is on this one in the sense that, like, you know, I can save you. I can't save he's them. He's still thinking that he's going to. I think the Emperor is still, even with all this happening, is still naive in the fact that we're eventually going to win and I need to still push chaos back and my yep. original plan is still going to work, yep. even though it wildly is not working. It is not working at all. I mean, and, But he, I still form. think he's like, I'm going to cleanse chaos mm-hmm. and then I'm going to make sure no one knows about it, even though they already do, and mm-hmm. I'm going to make this happen. His plans are bad. There's, oh, there's Skywalker Aragorn levels it of bad It really plan. is just confusing when you read about the Emperor where you're just like, uh, you're the most powerful being on, on the, in the galaxy possibly. You don't have, you, you have maybe future sight, but obviously not good future sight. Like, I don't fully grasp him. But anyway, what we end up with is that, so a couple little quick things happen here, which is funny. So then Malkador is then resurrected via a self-sacrifice Which even again, though he's why he again would have came back tomorrow this, yeah, again I, I, this, it's like I'm, i was i write the notes for this this show as we've been through and i'm reading this and i'm i'm, I'm in the book I'm, I, I'm looking in books i'm now going online to look for comments and i'm just like leaving it to brad brad you explained to me why the eternal had to have a self-sacrifice mm-hmm. to bring him back i don't know okay they don't say anything about it, it my only thing was is i thought that possibly that because Magnus attacks you, effectively attacks your soul, yeah. that maybe he 
fracture the ability to be an eternal. I, I, yeah, but they I mean, don't say anything about. That's it. the thing. Like, I mean, at least give me the Highlander thing. If he cut his head off, so like, okay, now I know. I know the rules. Fair enough. Okay, there now, wasn't any. He's, he's just a guy that always comes back. Yeah, and he's so, literally the emperor's buddy who's been killed a lot, a lot, and now is back. <laughs> And we could spend some time talking about how they sell. But actually, I was going to decide we'll just cover another episode talking about Alvia Sareka, who was she was the the way they brought Malkador back. Just really brief story is the woman who was with the Emperor when he went to in business. By the way, chaos. why is this such? A, uh, sorry, I need to Please, rage quote yeah. about this a little bit. This is someone that literally went with the Emperor to go. I don't know, you know, chat with the Chaos Gods. What? Like, yeah. She was just there. And then she, and then she, she gets a side note. This is like probably in the basis of what 40K is, the one of the most important events that ever happened. We've got like four paragraphs on her. Yeah. And she's like, hey, yeah, there was somebody with me. Yeah. They're like, I would probably like to know about this. And what happened to her afterwards? Oh, I left her at that gate to guard it for all of eternity. <laughs> oh, okay. What happened? Oh, the chaos got there so then she yeah, bailed she, came back take, to earth. she took so off she bailed off came back to earth and we're hanging out here now uh but then my but then my best friend died and i asked her to just kill herself so i could bring him back and so she did yeah that i mean that's i wish you were not like a thousand percent exactly that would happen <laughs> but i'm sorry everyone that you they just went hey this should be like a main character in this story this should be a novel yeah multiple novels Instead, about, about like her life experience a no. couple paragraphs and you're just like yeah cool yeah Went with Emperor, oh, met Chaos Gods. That was kind of cool. Hung out at Chaos Gate for a couple thousand, tens of thousands of years. And then Chaos got too close to Chaos Gate, ran away from Chaos Gate, went back to Earth. And immediately got smoked for no reason yeah, whatsoever. And, got, and then killed myself to raise some dude. Who was going to raise tomorrow. Yeah. Who's yeah? Who's coming back anyway. So that's that story. Um, but it's, it's the fun part. Vulcan's alive for now. Well, he'll always be alive. So... Now we're getting to some more funny parts. As we've been discussing, chaos is going to chaos. And two, I think the, the two of the most challenging groups who were part of this invasion, to me, are the Iron Warriors and the Emperor's Children. Because they don't really have a dog in the fight in the, in the greater scheme, you know, in, in my opinion. They both, they both have a reason for being there, but not the same reason everybody else. So I think we, let's start with the Emperor's Children. Because it's a, it's the funnier Fulgrim's, story. Like literally, just embraces Slanesh. And the problem with embracing the god of, of excess, de excess and debauchery is the fact that they're not real consistent in their behavior. Because well, their god says don't ever do the same thing. Yeah. Do you want to do something different every? Do whatever time? makes you happy. And he decides that this siege is lame. <laughs> effectively and just goes and starts punking the citizens of Terra. Well, he realizes it's like he keeps trying to get through these defenses. He's getting shot at and he's getting stabbed and his guys, his friends are dying or can take there's a bunch of just regular dudes, literally and like billions, billions of, of people yeah. that I could just do horrible things yeah. and take back to the warp and make them slaves. And so it's actually funny. There's actually are stories throughout the Imperium of this time. That's actually quite funny where they're actually talking about like to the citizens of Earth 10,000 years later still don't trust space Marines because one day they were all kind of hanging out 
and a bunch of space marines showed up, up the who were actually emperor's <laughs> children and just became murder torturing them all and taking the year and yeah. you wish you got murdered yeah so that you did not get taken back to the war they were just went through and, and they there was took no, so many and no one could stop them because remember all of the good guys are inside the fortress the only other people around are the other bad guys and demons so you really are just kind of standing out there going and this is not great for the siege because they weren't really having a trouble sieging the gap yeah. So when Fulgrim just takes all, not some, all. he's just like, I'm going to go do some other stuff, guys. Yeah. They're like, hey, we kind of really thought that you were going to do this in the siege. And he's like, this is boring. This is, yeah. I don't really want to do any of this. I don't enjoy this. So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to I'm gonna go wander off this way for a while. He completely does so, absolutely nothing good. What I do find this very hilarious, that's the end of the story of the Emperor's Children and the Siege of Terror. Yeah, they, just, they never come back. They just walk away from it. At this stage, the siege is going. The, 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 the traitors are at the gate. Can the emperor hold? Can the it's, emperor not hold? Well, it's not even and that. the emperor's children just wander it's off. It's also crazy, <laughs> hardcore fighting is yeah, happening. Yeah, People This are, is the yeah, most. Yeah, there are titans that are trying to breach walls. And like, you know, and one Primarch <laughs> is flying over there and stabbing it with a yeah, spear. There like, is there, no break in this. Yeah winner take all real rumble and he just wanders away tens of thousands of soldiers just kind of shrug their shoulders and wander off just do so (laughs) hey man yeah kind of tired here i'm about to go home yeah i'm gonna go over there and do something over there and it's just wait no uh, okay bye and they're gone so that's a funnier one the other one though that actually is interesting is the iron warriors and Pedarabo kind of comes to terms with what with the deal he's been making. I mean, it, we, we've said it more times well, than this than I can He's a weird story, though, because of the fact, and I'm going to get backlash on this one, yeah. but I, I don't think Pedro ever decided to be Chaos. There's no story. I haven't read anything where I see him communing with Chaos Gods. Where he's see- juiced up now. Everybody's going to yell at me. He is. Yeah. But that's 10,000 years later. Yeah, I don't. But the thing is, is like at this point, I think that he went, you guys kind of suck. Like, yeah. I really want to show my brother that he's a bum. Yeah. But also, like, like everything that's happening has to be, like, pretty freaking weird by this time. Well, so when I was, re- when I was rereading the book, what I noticed was that there was some, some just little th- pieces in there that were snippets I thought were interesting. Where, and we'll get to what's going to happen in a second. Where it felt like he really did believe that Horus's goal of overthrowing the Emperor was the better for mankind. Because he felt that mankind was good. He felt that mankind deserved a, a better leader. And the emperor wasn't that leader. And that was his motivation. And so that's where all the stuff he did, and a lot of it's pretty horrid stuff, you know, he did he did those pieces. Even being betrayed by Fulgrim and then hanging out next to him. Like, which I would, just a little side note, when Horus put Fulgrim in charge of invading the Souls. Okay. Funny story, when Horus put Pedarabo in charge of invading a lot of these systems. Why he didn't just throw the Emperor's children into every single like like what's I'm like, saying that he should just as vengeance for like <clears throat> hey man you left me alone on a planet yeah what's <laughs> I'm saying that I would have put that I wouldn't have put Fulgrim in charge of anything yeah not in charge Fulgrim would, or Pedarabo's leading I'm saying but like yeah he basically put him in charge of whole sectors of yeah. th- doing things and it's like it's a Pedarabo might be an idiot doing what we're getting at. But what happens here is kind of cool. Uh, Petarabo 
just all of a sudden looks around and realizes that he's on the side of the demons. There's literal demons that his guys are laying down covering fire for while they run off and pull some guy's limbs off. And he just has that moment of, hey, why am I here? Hold on. Are we the bad guys? am, am Am I the bad guy? I didn't think I was the bad guy. And just it's it's kind of a cool moment where he's looking around. And I will be honest, he stood next to Demon Prince Angron at one point, which is pretty solid sign of maybe. Also, we're he not gave on orders side. to Fulgrim in full snake form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like he's got you're looking around, going, "Hey, man, hey, like there, there this were, is the moment. There this were is some, the moment. There were some signs. Yes, yeah, this is the moment. This is this is your moment. All right, okay, this is your moment. But much like with." On a more positive note, versus the way that, that Fulgrim and Emperor's children just wandered off to go and slaughter anyone they could find, Iron Warriors just deuced off and were like, "Yeah." I actually, out. and I will do more stories about this because mm-hmm. he doesn't doesn't he doesn't just deuce out. He goes on a kind of crusade of screw all of you on my way yeah. back. <laughs> it wasn't a super cool thing to see the iron warriors. They took a real casual path back to the eye of terror. Yeah. But <laughs> it was not great for anybody that was there. He was not super happy about how everything went down. And he apparently wanted to show people on the way home. I'm out of here. Yeah. So, this is actually times up pretty well where um, Horace kind of starts reinvigorating whatever term you want to have. Because he's been, a, the, the, the poisoning of the chaos has actually been eating at Horace's soul quite a bit. He's been, for large portions of this campaign, he's actually been unconscious. And he's been coming in and out of consciousness. But at should a certain we, should point. Should we touch on the Abaddon part, though? Yeah, let's go. So Horace knows that he, he's starting to read the the bottom line, the fine print of his deals, and is like, I think that they might have gotten the better of me on my negotiation skills here, and realizes that I might not be all there anymore. So he start he gives the, which by the way, when you give the power over to Abaddon, who was kind of a dick before chaos came around, and he says, hey. You're in charge kind of right now, but not completely right now. But like I may or may not be able to function in any of any value to you. So I need you to step up and lead. Yeah. So he effectively just makes him war master and proxy. So Abaddon, even before, spoiler alert, we're about to get to the (laughs) some stuff, but like he hands it over to him. And I think that's a big deal because I think that. Horus is one of those unbelievably flawed characters, but I think in the end, he always knew that he what was going to happen. You know, yeah, he knows that. Hey, I'm super juiced, but I think, and even though I've convinced myself, I rationalized all my behaviors, that this might not be the best. Yeah, I agree. I think at a certain point, Horus knew he was wrong, but couldn't. He was too far. He was too far gone. And I think he also probably knew that he was going to go. But that's my opinion. But So Horace now decides 
to push. So he orders everyone in. Well, he goes all full in. assault. Imperial Palace. Well, again, we got to go back to those reinforcements. Yeah. He also doesn't know what's coming. It's mm-hmm. it could be six ships, it could be six hundred thousand ships. Yeah. No idea. So he he knows that I don't want to be sieging the best fortress in well, the galaxy. His, his only chance is if the Dark Angels and Ultramarines arrive and the Emperor is dead. And he's yes, he's already won and he has that the fortress. Point, he may be able to sit there and say to them, <laughs> We can just fight this out, but you're not gonna change anything. Well I, also I, I think that I now control play. the fortress. Yeah. And so what are you gonna do about it? Right. Right. So so he goes all in. He, he throws all. everything. Mm-hmm. And this is a all in gambit too, because this is a I'm taking catastrophic losses at this point yeah. too. And so because what's happened is as we've discussed before, when you have a stalemate in a siege the people doing the siege are losing usually five, 10 to one. They it's because it's much easier to sit behind a wall and shoot someone than stand in the middle of the field and shoot up at them. This is just the way it goes. So the, the, the traders are losing forces. So Horace goes, screw it. Everyone in and they go in. However, the, the loyalists also kind of see this coming and just, and get the notification that reinforcements are in. Jagadak Khan is one of the people there who, as we've discussed before, Jagadak Khan's not a huge fan of standing behind a wall, no matter how many times he leads you a pretty, tell him to. He leads an awesome charge that is a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. Looks cool. It looks really cool. It would look really awesome in the movie of the Siege of Terra, but it also lets them take catastrophic casualties. In a time when they should have taken no cash. No casualties. But he decides that he needs to go back out and retake the Lion Gate because they're losing they're losing ground. And so he goes, This is it. We're gonna we're gonna go grab this spaceport so that A, we stop the the, the, tra- the traders landing, but also B, the Ultramarines and the Dark Angels can have somewhere to land when they get here. He was also told ten times to not do to not do this, this. not do that thing. But he does it. He does a little like speech, braveheart style. And everyone runs out the runs out the gate and to go fight the Death Guard. Um, and you know what? It actually goes, kind, kind of works. Kind of works actually. They get they all run out there, and the, the I think the traders are sitting going like, "Are they really attacking now? Really now? Oh, oh shit! It's working." And so it does actually have have an effect, and Khan is able to push out there with his white scars and with a bunch of guardsmen and do actually begin taking the port back. Yeah, but they are, again, taking yeah. needless casualties. Exactly. And they don't take it. <laughs> yeah, and so Khan eventually fights there. And the one problem is that when you attack the Death Guard, there's someone waiting there, um, and that is Mortarian. And Mortarian and Khan have had their enough discussions at this point that they don't bother with the... 45 minute speech of blah 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 well, now we're fighting now. the best part is, is I, I do love a lot of these because a lot of these primac and primax are people that didn't like each other anyways right. and i'm like i just want you to know that i always kind of want to beat the shit yeah, out of you i wanted to do this forever i'm super glad that you're on the other side <laughs> but a theme that we keep seeing here though is this is another one same thing non-demon non-demon primark infused versus demon oh, sorry non-demon infused primark versus demon infused primark and also somebody else that doesn't know that demon infused primark is 
kind of badass. Yes, but they don't take into any account at all because he's like, I'm just going to dance around Mortarian. And, well, he does not. <laughs> he does not. Mortarian just, just beats the ever-living crap out of Khan and, in fact, impales him on his scythe. Yes, but you know what? I'm going to tell you how much of an old man I am, and I'm hoping somebody else remembers this. Yep. In the original Excalibur film from the 80s. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Oh, God. This entire scene played out because Khan drags himself up. Up, 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 up. You are not implying that GW committed, committed any form of intellectual <laughs> property theft here. This is a an original story. <laughs> so i'll let brad continue but i just wanted to tease him real quick on that one well the best is he pulls himself down the scythe like also his scythe is gigantic he basically just runs through five so, foot of scythe I, I need to tell the story then i'll ask a question afterwards then he proceeds to pause while pulling himself through the blade mm -hmm. to talk mad shit to mortarian <laughs> Like while he's impaled, he's yeah. go. Yeah, remember he's the time himself that, closer on a side. Yeah, there's like six inches thick of steel and in, in yeah. whatever size steel inside my stomach. Also, I'm gonna take this moment to pause. Hold on. Yeah. Talk enormous amounts of shit. By the way, it goes on for a couple pages in the book. By yeah. the way, he has a whole speech that he's yeah, willing he's, to get to him he's, he's pulled he's pulled it out of his back pocket he's reading off every single element of it <laughs> yeah and then mortarian apparently is like what the shit man no one talks shit about me and decides to drop the scythe and plans on giving him a speech back and kind of goes yeah i was done with my speech and chops his head off yeah, chops his head. <laughs> so the only element of this that really bothered me is and I think most of us, if you don't know what a scythe is, Google it real quick. It's shaped like an L. I don't like, like, if you yeah, I have no idea sword, how he was supposed yeah, to do it, that. It's whole, like, if it's a sword and you're pulling the, yourself the, closer, the spear from the Excalibur the spear, yeah, is what I was thinking. It makes like, more sense. He has to, this has an L shape. So is he just going, like, if I'm holding a scythe up, is he just kind of moving? You know, I guess technically you're also, moving. Also, look at the model. It's also, he has like a 15 foot long scythe. Yeah, I've just, I'm very, it was just me when I was reading it, I'm going, like, how do you pull yourself? closer i mean it is one of those like for those of us who played eighth edition and ninth edition you know your consolidation move ends up closer in quotations you yeah know? it's like you, know, you I, circle them <laughs> yeah exactly i understand that you are technically closer but you move four inches the other direction like, okay okay whatever you know <laughs> yeah the but i did like the fact that he did not let him give his evil speech yeah he went and just chopped his head off which then actually banishes mortarian because at this point he is a demon prince so mortarian when you kill him now doesn't die doesn't die actually in my opinion just i think just disintegrates and reappears in the warp somewhere um khan falls down broken uh which then makes the rest of the, of the white scars lose their shit yeah and then rompel stop now, the plus side is that the Death Guard leader also just died. So now you've got two groups of people who have lost their Primarch. And I would argue that in Chaos, that's less important than in the Loyalists. The Loyalists, I think, due to a lack of chaotic influence, are probably more affected by the loss of Khan and are more enraged. Whereas the, the, you know, the Death Guard, to me, are more on team. Well, I've still got this plague that's just eating, that's eating my soul. Oh, <laughs> This this already sucked a yeah, lot. Yeah, Morty's so. dead. I'm so sad. 
<laughs> the guy responsible for this, it was Typhus. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if Typhus was dead, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be celebrating. Uh, but they do actually grab the Lion's Gate. The Lion's Gate is still somewhat inside the palace. The other part of this... I don't really have it, though. I yeah, mean, well, they fought their way to it, and they were able to I mean, they got a point. Stop. If it was a video game, they would have got points for taking it, the, and then they just insta-lost it. Well, I think strategically it was beneficial because it stopped this endless flow of traders coming through that that one landing zone, but there were a lot of other landing zones. Yeah, I was zones. saying there's yes. three... Yeah, three others. There's three others. So they, they were they were fine. But they, I mean, they, they did their thing. Um, we moved there to the Eternity Gate. So what this is now we're going to get to the very end. And the very end of this is Horus is lands basically everybody. Everyone leaves orbit and they're on the ground outside of this. And final battle time, we're going to, you know, we're attacking at dawn. It actually said that, which I was just, I'll be honest, it bothered so three things. One, you don't attack at dawn. Strategically, you never attack at dawn. It's when they can see you. You, 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 you attack at dusk. And it just, makes no difference yeah, because they have night vision. We're yeah, but, but the point being is like, it's just, we're going to attack at dawn. It's not the 14th century. Like, it's like <laughs> you know, like we don't need that. Anyway, but we'll skip that. The emperor's barrier now. And so it, what, but before he does his attack, what Horace does, he decides just to do full court press. I'm going to land everything, and we're going to fire every gun we have at, at this. But at the same time, I'm going to take all the psychers, and we're going to and we're going to go into there, and we're going to attack the emperor kind of from the inside. Because we can break his barrier, then we can get through. This is bad, simply put. This is a bad situation for the emperor, but he does have a trick. Well, sometimes you just got to wind up Vulcan and send him into the webway, which. Vulcan one has no idea what it is. Yeah. Two does not care at all. Apparently, he's yeah. just told Magnus is in there. Go that way. And he's yeah. like, oh, it's clobbering time. Yeah. As you said, he enters the webway to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and he's all out of bubble gum. <laughs> Magnus is in, is in the, the the warp, attacking the Emperor, and all of a sudden, the guy who just beat the shit out of him appears. <laughs> and he's super mad. <laughs> and he just wants to kill him. And I actually, again, I don't even know if this story matters for what we need to tell you. I'm diving into the story because I just enjoyed it. I thought this was an enjoyable story of well, Vulcan trying I, to beat up Magnus. I love the fact that Vulcan also just does some, I call it Lehman Russ Mojo, which is yeah. Roadrunner stuff. Yeah. Magnus puts up a psychic barrier. Vulcan doesn't understand what it is and just beats it up yeah. physically. And you're like, that shouldn't work. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. And you're just like, yeah. you can't possibly hurt my psychic barrier by hitting it with a hammer. He's like, sure, I can. Yeah. Like, no, I'm still going to. Yeah. And actually beats that up. And then the part that I find it absolutely hilarious here is this like, and they, Brad makes these Looney Tunes references a lot. And this is, I think it's the same thing here. It's, it's Vulcan gets exhausted beating through all this stuff and eventually does break the barrier down and has to fight a rather healthy demon prince magnus and so what's magnus do brad yes he's killed Ch him. check all over and over again but every time he kills vulcan what's vulcan do just gets back up which means that again pointing out that dude who died maybe 10 minutes ago in our podcast <laughs> 
<laughs> he wrecks him. He does the. He keeps giving them. You yeah. killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the some of the ones I listed here is he. He the Magnus cuts Vulcan's head off, which he does, and then Vulcan's head regenerates, comes back on. He suffocates him, comes back. He, he burns, burns him alive. into a crisp. Comes back, and each time he just comes back and punches Magnus in his face or hits him with his hammer, over and over again until Magnus actually disintegrates him. We just use the spell and disintegrates Vulcan. And at the end of it, Vulcan drops a hammer on his head. And then Vulcan re <laughs> resintegrates. We're going to make that a word today. And Man, why not? And it smashes Magnus's head in. And finally, Magnus is just done. Like, that's it. And we relieve some of the pressure on the Emperor. So the Emperor now is now not getting assaulted through the via the warp by a Magnus. I just said, here's it. I just like this story because I like this idea of him just constantly killing someone. Actually, what's a better example is Deadpool. That's yeah. probably what this is. It's more of a Deadpool type reference where it just, I keep killing him. Here oh, I am. Yeah. I was going to go with text job, but no one will know what the hell I'm talking about. We're not. We're not. You need, you, need, <laughs> you need to keep, we need, I think for the sake of our podcast, if we can keep most of our references post internet. <laughs> this was only an 83 fight. Yeah. Post internet, Brad. Post internet. Let's talk about space Jesus. All right. So back at the gate, Sanguinius is there. I mean, I don't know if he snapping a name bloodthirsters back while flying to show everybody's reinvigorating for morale. But you know what it is? Taking a Titan and uh talking mad shit to everyone. And cutting its head off. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, again, this is one of those ones where you read things GW writes and you go, hold on. He cut the head off of a robot and the robot died. Oh, it's chaos infused. All right. It's fine. It's a good story. But, also, yeah. the head is 100 feet. Yeah. Easy in and diameter. It's also one of the smaller parts of the. Yeah. It's not. The Titans are like basically walking cities. Yeah. But he does cut its head off in the book. He does cut its head off. He, he, so Sanguinius. Just, I mean, that is true. They also said you should surrender. And yeah. he went, how about instead and flew up because he's a dude, flew up to a robot that's a few hundred feet tall and cut its head off. Yep. And then it, and, and it died. And then the, but to Brad's point, he's just using this to keep the loyalist fighting. And oh, he's only trying to fighting. bolster yeah. morale on this. But the, another cool moment for Sanguinius, though, comes from as we discussed in a prior episode when they got when Horus sent them out to cure themselves of the red thirst. There was actually a super bloodthirsty named Kabanda who actually defeated Sanguinius that time and only lost because watching Sanguinius die released the blood. The, 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 yeah, they went kind of nuts on that. Yeah, and fought back. This time, Kabanda reappears and Sanguinius is makes on the Makes an example of him. Nope. Flies him over top of the gates and mm. proceeds to snap his spine over his knee. Yeah. And basically gives the, is there anyone else? <laughs> speech. Now, we are at full clip war. I mean, we have... Everyone is attacking. The, the traitors are throwing their full forces 
And the truth is the loyalists are not holding. At this stage, the loyalists are starting to, it's just, it is overwhelming and they're falling back, they're falling back, they're falling back. Because it's also a full demonic incursion. So yeah. they effectively have infinity forces. Yeah. So they, they run back and they decide, you know, the, the custodian guards orders one more gate. It's the gate to the palace. We're shutting this. Everyone run this way and we're shutting the gate. So everyone runs back. They begin to close the, the, the doors. And actually a, a random titan holds the doors apart. Let me actually, sorry, let me rephrase this because I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm not selling this well enough. The entirety of the Loyalist force runs through one gate. We've also, all seen this in sci-fi. not giving it a full credit because yeah. the Titan does a headfirst slide yeah. in a home plate. Yeah, yeah. As it's jumps. Jams its claw from its, again, a Titan is, depending on the Titan, hundreds of feet tall, a giant robot Pacific Rim style dove to try to be safe at home plate and jammed his hand in the gate. Yeah. So the gate now is stuck open. Then, you know what makes it really, really fun? To have a gate stuck open? Angron goes to run through said gate. Because as you notice in these stories, Angron just keeps randomly appearing at random times to do However, Angron... If you're playing an MMO, which I'm hoping people have heard of in this particular cast, <laughs> Angron is in charge of ads, which I've said multiple yes. times because he is, oh, 1001 versus anybody that's a main boss. And, well, he gets the upper hand against Sanguinis, but apparently he get the memo that he was the main character. Let's pull it back a bit. So let's set the okay. fight up better than that. So okay. Angron comes blasting through this gate. And who's waiting on the other side? I mean, it's Sanguinis. Sanguinis literally Darth Maul's name. It just goes, nah. And they begin having... And he also is standing by himself. Yeah. There's a horde of chaos behind Angron, by the way. And Sanguinis is like, what? Yeah, I'm kicking his ass, and then I'm kicking his yeah, he ass. He gives like a yeah. big guys in one line, little guys in another kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> It just proceeds to go, what? So, juiced up Angron mm -hmm. does, again, get the upper hand, but he should have known that he was not the main character. The Red Angel was not the red character here. Yep. And he just runs Sanguinis through, which Sanguinis decides, again, I heard Khan try to do this, but I'm going to do it way better, and proceeds to just rip the butcher's nails out of the head of Primarch Angron, and apparently that's not a great thing because his head blew up like Scanners. 82 movie. Thank you very much. <laughs> Boom! Oh, God, it's all right. Let's make a reference that won an Oscar. Um, but yeah, so the Angron just dies, or, you know, Demon Prince dies, goes back. Well, he rips yeah. the nails out and literally falls to the ground, pulls the sword. Well, actually, the sword disappears when he leaves. Yeah. Uh, pulls the nails out, his head blows up, and he just wisps away to the warp uh, because he's full. He's a demon at this point in time. And then this gives them a chance to actually close the the, the gate because the thing you know it's an Angron is Angron, and this story's happened to see. He did it at Istvan. He's done it a couple times on Soul. A couple times where right as Chaos is about to win, Angron shows up and jacks something up. So, always, always, he is yeah. again. 
You put Angron on the ads. Stay off the boss. We don't want you pulling aggro. You always ruin the raid. Exactly. Quit it. And so, Ang- so Angron, they shut the door at this same Also, time. when he kills Angron, the, actually, we should pull back to this. When he kills Angron, the Chaos Forces just kind of go, what the shit just happened? Everybody stands there again because one dude stood there by himself right. against everyone. And then they just kind of go, we're going to use this to close the door. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and close that door. We'll come see in a few minutes. Yeah, Maybe. like everybody kind of went, what, did, what the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the angriest, the meanest of us just got his ass kicked. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold. I need a second. Also, yeah. who is that? Is that the dude that just went up? Is that the Titan head cutting off yeah. back-breaking yeah. guy? So Sanguinius, let's just, yeah, we should just do a quick note for Sanguinius. Sanguinius has now single-handedly in melee killed two Titans, a giant demon, and a demon prince Primarch in the period of like, I don't know, 12 hours. Yeah. And also he does all of these basically on pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, he's also done, he also saved Jagadai Khan. I mean, it is just, he is having a time of his life. Yeah, he's MVP right now. He's definitely getting all the votes. This, though, shifts us over to kind of one of the really big moments. And the big moment is now Gilliman, the first communication from Gilliman is coming in. And it's actually, he's about he's about a week away. Um, but he also has Lehman, Russ, Korax, and the Lion are all coming at the same time. And that's a big deal. Well, Korax is showing up with him in like his Eight people Glee Club. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, a barbershop but, quartet. But, this but the, community- the Lion... And Lehman Ross are showing up with a legion. Yeah, each. And Gilliman's got <coughs> effect. I mean, Gilliman's legion is so large, it's even... Gilliman's not even bringing this to the Ultramarines. He has... Everything. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll handle that later, but he has a, a smaller empire worth of stuff he's bringing himself. And so this communication, not only do the loyalists get it, but obviously the traders get it. And this creates a problem. So Horus now has to freak out. And so... Horus as the, the whole challenge for Horus now is like, okay, now we have to go. So Horus decides he needs to, he cannot get to the emperor. He realizes that his plan of breaching the walls and fighting his way to the emperor isn't there. And there's some debate as to what happens next as to, as to why he does what he does. Next. Because the, we've been retcon this like seven times, right? Because, and you're older than me. So you, go one of the biggest things is it used to be, he lowered the shields while he was winning to go the emperor to show up. And right. then they changed it to Horus couldn't win. And he wanted the emperor to show up. And it's been back and forth several times since I've been doing lore on this since the nineties. You know what I mean? It's changed several times. Why? But in the end, the one fact remains. Horus is on the Vengeful Spirit. He lowers his void shields and just kind of says... And the Emperor obviously is instantly aware that this is happening. And just says, show up. Show up. That problem for the Emperor... I mean, there's also the fact that Horus may or may not have been powering up. Kind of like what the Emperor's doing right now. But we won't go into that. We're going to go into that this second. <laughs> One inter- and this is a really important story. So this isn't a side note. This actually is critical to the telling of the Forty Gates moment. The challenge is that the Emperor is sitting on the Golden Throne, and this is still powering all of the Force Fields. If the Emperor just pieces out of this throne to go fight Horus, 
all of the fields throughout oh, all of Terrigal. Everybody gets smoked. Which means every demon's in. Right. So there's a problem. He has to do something here. Well, he if he wants to go up there, he has to win, but he has to win immediately. Yeah. But even then, someone has to but someone has to take his place. True. And so the, the person that takes it that they decide to take his place is going to be Malkador. And Malkador, the difference though, is as much as we talk about Malkador being powerful, Malkador is the second most powerful human in the galaxy. Yeah, but he's like a but we're a not talking second. second. Yeah. We're talking second place, like Usain Bolt run, runs a runs in the Olympics, and then one of us does. Yeah. Like, yes, we take second. Yeah, but like but you have to take we? two pictures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like but, Usain's yeah. winning, and then Usain's, you're like pan yeah. back over. Yeah. Usain Bolt's going home and, and, <laughs> and we're coming through the finish line. Like it's it's that level. He's still powerful. So, the, so he Malkador, also needs he's, he's gonna get smoked by this. This machine's going to eat him, and Malkador couldn't be happier to do it because he knows why he has to do it. So that's part one of this. The other one, though, is it's pretty obvious this is a trap. That, oh, you know, wildly yeah. a trap. I mean, we're not even talking like, oh, I wonder if he made a mistake. So the, uh, the next piece is, well, who's going to go with the Emperor into this trap? For sure, it's Space Jesus. He's well, yeah, we know. <laughs> Rogel Dorn's going to go, and I'm going to make Brad tell that story. <laughs> he's it. Um, but Sanguinius, and then actually Constantine Valdor, who's the head of the Custodian Custodian's Guard. Custodian's Guard. So they're all going to they're all going to jump with the Emperor up there. Um, while Malkador takes the throne. This is also something that happens like immediately. Like yeah, this, this is all like, like three they, seconds. Yeah, they yeah. don't debate this for a while. Yeah. Malkador goes, well, it was nice knowing you guys. Yeah. And the rest of them are like, hey, would you like to go on this probable suicide mission? And everybody goes, I'm in. Yeah. So they load Malkador <laughs> in, the Emperor comes out, and they jump onto the Vengeful Spirit. And let's, I have to, we have to go back a little bit though. Mm -hmm. When they show up on the vengeful spirit, the vengeful spirit is a nightmare. Yeah. That is basically an extension of Horus's will at this time. You are literally going into the enemy's base. You're, he I mean, is. I would actually, my thought process is, I mean, movie Event Horizon, it's that level. This is a spaceship that has been. It's hell. Yeah, it, it almost is the warp manifest in the yeah. sense of, of the level and of it's, evil. It, he's controlling mm -hmm. everything on the ship, and it's literally an extension of himself. Yep, like he could—he's effectively having pieces of the ship attack the guys, and they get separated. They immediately get separated because this is a terrible trap. Yep, and Horus is also wildly psychically powerful at this point in time, and no one had any idea that he's on par with the emperor at this point in time and, and we're about to find out how on par in a second so they all land and they're separated and they but they all know where to go rogel dorn i have to be honest doesn't really do much he yeah, gets, gets lost he gets lost in a almost dream and has to walk through a desert in my mind he's got a hat with two bills on it one says the emperor one says horace he's ready to <laughs> spin it no matter what and he's just <laughs> on his way Sanguinius, though, we'll start with Sanguinius because it's the fun part. Right? He actually ends up he teleports to the bridge, to the bridge, and is and is facing Horus. And I made a note here because I actually this is important. So in the last, we'll go with twenty four, maybe forty eight hours. Sanguinius has fought and killed two titans, one of the most powerful demon princes that Corn has, and Angron, and more Space Marines, demons. Insert thing here, dude has been swinging a sword nonstop, like hardcore. Well, workout. he is has to be 
even for a Primarch exhausted, but also he's had to do everything and act like he's not because yeah. he is the PR. Mm -hmm. the, he's the face of the Imperium at this point in time. He's the face of the resistance. Everything he's done while unbelievably hard, he also has to basically do while given the, the yeah, smile to the, the yeah, cameras. Exactly. I, this is easy, guys. All of you can do it. Exactly. Yeah. You should all be yeah. doing what I'm yeah. doing. This is no big deal. This The Starship <laughs> Troopers. I did my part. You know? <laughs> yeah. See? Uh, 90s movie reference. Fine. We're moving it. Reference. We're moving it up a decade. God. So, unfortunately for Sanguinius, Horus is wildly OP at this point yeah. in time. Like, wildly OP. Horus tries to turn Sanguinius. Sanguinius is like, you're literally sitting. It's going to be hard for you to convince me that I should be part of this when I just teleported onto the hell ship. Yeah. And you are basically emanating evil of you. Yeah, like you're, you're oozing evil. Like this is yeah. not a like like you you're not like a classy movie vampire. You are, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, Sanguinius goes out real quick because Horus is OP. And he effectively just snaps his neck. He yeah, strangles. He just, strangles him out. He, with a quickness. And, well, sorry, Blood Angels, but wow, this was bad for your Legion. Yeah. Because these shockwaves coming from him, from Sanguinius dying for your sins. Whoo. Yeah, we're no. going to have to do quite a few episodes. Well, actually not quite a few. More episodes than I can count about what's going to, the results of what, what's about to occur here for almost every single legion. So as, as Sanguinius is lying dead at Horus's feet. Ember, Ember shows up effectively as he's dropping. Yeah, and just walks under the bridge. And it now we've got it. This is it. This is the this is the culmination of of the movie. You know, the Emperor is facing Horus and the Emperor they just begin yelling at each other. Well, the weird part about, and this has, again, been kind of several times, but whatever. I'm going to give you the best. Please. My best interpretation of this, which is the Emperor is not mad. He's just disappointed. And I don't even know if he wants to turn him. He just wants to make him. I think he always knows he's going to battle. Yeah. But he wants to make him know that he's wrong, which is super messed up in this yeah. entire books there's a lot of people that do things specifically to say admit you were wrong yeah <laughs> like that's what i need from this and he just keeps telling him you're a pawn of chaos you're exactly what i'm trying to stop and sorry british dad if you would have given me 10 minutes if you would have given me a goddamn email yeah. and said something well, about that's this the thing the emperor's Furious at Horus for not seeing the thing that he never told him about. Right. And, and I was saying, like, well, yeah, of course this is it. But this is exactly what I've been trying to stop on Terra this entire time. You are the thing that I'm trying yeah, to you stop. You are the thing. And they begin. So, but eventually, you know, you can only yell so much and fisticuffs occur. <laughs> well, this is where it gets really weird, though. Now, this I've seen has changed. This story has been retconned. Several times. About how this fight goes. I will give you all the most current version, and then I'll let Brad kind of touch on some prior ones. But on the current version, Horus beats the Emperor, effectively. Horus beats the Emperor up pretty badly. I'm giving a nod that no one else can see. Yeah. Beats, beats him up pretty badly. 
and ends up like throwing him to the ground and, and fighting him. But in other in past stories, the fight was much more even. The fight was even, and the the emperor just wins, but gets horribly just. Because, here's I mean, you can pull this back because no matter how it's retconned, yeah, the emperor and Horus are actually fighting in every spiritually. They're psychically. Right. They're they're yeah. they're not battling. They're, there's no whoever's winning this fight is deleting that person from existence. Existence, yeah. basically. You are killing their soul. You're not killing their body. You're killing their soul. You're literally destroying everything that makes them them. You know, you're you do not exist any way, shape, or form after this fight. And that is what this isn't a Oh man, I got stabbed. You could come back. No, they're gone, yeah. gone. Whoever wins this fight. At the end of the fight, under the current version, the Emperor is lying there underneath Horus, and Horus is has won. <coughs> and this is a fun one because there actually is numerous different stories here, but a loyalist appears on the bridge and gets obliterated. But sometimes a loyalist is a custode, sometimes they're Imperial Fist. Sometimes, Sometimes it's a guard. It's a guy. Yeah, Eric. But he literally kills him like Dr. Manhattan yeah. style. It just yeah. puff of smoke. Yeah. So this guy runs at Horace and Horace just and laughs at how easy it is, which again, okay, Emperor, you have you're the most powerful being in the galaxy. And I'm, well, the I thing do, is, is they, they've always said okay. that possibly the Emperor was always holding back because he didn't want to kill his face. Yeah, but I'm just also in this beat of like, there's a. We've been telling this story through seven episodes, eight episodes now. Getting a little sick of the plot twist being, well, then I saw someone do something really bad and I mustered that last little bit of, of energy. Like, <laughs> I get it, guys. It's not even little energy. Yeah, I mean, the he amount of cuts plot... through Horace's no, soul. I thought, <laughs> you're missing my point. What I'm getting at is like, gee, the writing we have of this, it, it bothers me as, as someone who just, I like good stories. Don't lean on the same plot twist over and over again. Of you like, shouldn't Hogan finger it every yeah, time. I mean, so let's see, Vulcan, uh, <laughs> twice. We've got uh, Sanguinius has done this. Jagannath Khan has done. This. It's it is a nonstop story here of like, just when I thought it was over, then someone did something that mustered me the yeah, strength. When I to power do level the, ten thousand yeah. did and just said, "Oh, I, I could have won this all along." But anyway, that's literally what happens here. So the emperor then decides that there is nothing you can do. He Voltron's his soul. Yeah, just disintegrates. He Horus. he doesn't just well he doesn't just wreck like, it. No, no, again. Yeah, he cuts through Horus time space existence. Yeah, yeah, he yeah deletes. not his body that too, but he, but no, he he just killed his body. Yeah, because. Uh, Abaddon eventually grabs the body the claw, and the yeah. individual spirit and takes off. But what happens is he smokes Horus uh, and he smokes Horus out of existence. And in doing so, Horus kind of has that. I'm going to give you my wow guys. Horus has the Arthur of Mena where he gives the what? Lich King reference? Most popular thing. It gives the whole thing where he gets the Oh, I was wrong. Yeah, I've got clarity. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably shouldn't have allied with the forces of evil. I mean, seems pretty self-evident, but uh, he goes, man, maybe this wasn't a great thing. But he's also, again, depending on the story, because there's been several of yeah. this, he's happy 
And that's one of the things why he gave it to Abaddon in the first place is he wanted to die. Horus, and I agree with you. I think Horus felt the corruption at a certain point. He was just too far in and he was very happy to finally be rid of all of the corruption. He was just happy to be through with this. I was no longer me. I was something else. And now I can at least die as me. In what is not a subtle homage to the end of Lord of the Rings, the death of Horus, the entire traitor legions, all Just of them instantly bail. All of them go. They feel it and they all leave. The, 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 you, the, you, the battle you, is over. Oh, kind of the now. Emperor dying at the end of uh, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You're like, hey, we have over overwhelming forces. We can still win. Nah, our leader's dead. Deuces. Yeah, around. we're gone. Uh, but yes, they just. All them bail. At the same time, of course, the Black Rage has just explodes through the, the Blood Angels. We're going to cover a lot of that later in a different episode. But they're messed up. But on the Vengeful Spirit, Rogaldorn re- gets up and busts into the, uh, out of the bridge. Yeah, after everything's done. Yeah, here, guys. Good job, Rogel. I feel like he watched this whole fight and waited, eating popcorn in my head. Also, sorry, Imperial Fist guys. I hate Rogaldorn so much. <laughs> So they grab Rogodorn comes in there. Sanguinius is dead. The emperor is actually near death. And the, and the emperor tells Dorn, you have to take me back to the golden throne. So Dorn grabs him wherever else is around and they teleport back down. To- and the emperor is ruined. He's well, he's, he's dying. He's quite literally and dying rapidly. Not the, slow movie dying. Well, that's the thing is he, he's holding on by psychic might mm-hmm. because his soul was wounded. He, again, we weren't fighting physically. This isn't a, I'll put some stim packs in you and, and seal yep. this wound. He literally had his soul stabbed. Yep. And that's the real thing is he's like his life force is dying. And so, and this next bit is, critical for anyone who's new to the 40k universe or anyone who's in it like this next piece bring it the emperor tells him the only solution is you're going to have to effectively entomb me in this golden throne malkador is disintegrating before their eyes in this and so the very last thing malkador does is takes what's little left of his life essence and gives it to the emperor which is just enough it's like almost a little cpr bump for the emperor to get to, to stop him dying as they load him into the golden throne and seal him inside of it. And this is important because this is the last time anyone sees the emperor physically. It's also the last time that anybody has physically commuted to the emperor mm-hmm. because we'll get into this more because we've had times when people have touched into the psychic essence of the emperor on the golden throne yep but the emperor also becomes a disparate entity on the golden throne that's for later yeah but he is i mean it's one of the main themes of of, right the the last thing he says is your purpose is to defeat chaos he tells them this is your purpose as the imperium and then is sealed away (laughs) to only be kept alive in the most gruesome of manners oh yeah well, we're going to do we're gonna have some fun episodes on this stuff. But this is critical because the, he, the leader of mankind is both alive and dead. 
He's also a light. Uh, he's a lighthouse. Yeah. He is literally a lighthouse. He's the only reason that you can travel Imperium wise. Other people can do different things. Well, there's something and to be said for that. I promise everyone we're going to do. Brad and I will do a fun episode. We may probably get some guests for that one to discuss. Is the emperor technically alive or dead? Because I think from a 41st millennia, there is a very fun debate to be had around that. Well, he's also powering up and there's mm -hmm. times when he could have been brought back. Also, he's an eternal and mm -hmm. he could have been taken out of the throne at any point in time. Could he have been that? But that's the question. Could he have? It's just, this is true. The thing. Because of the fact that he did psychic damage to him, soul damage, that's spirit damage. That, and that's where this gets kind of interesting. Again, we're, I'm teasing future episodes and ideas here, but that's where we're at. So let's kind of get to the conclusion. A quick, I'm gonna, we're going to take a quick five, six minutes here. Just where we are. And, and, and take you where we are and jump you, give you a quick bridge to what's going to happen next to get us to where we're going to be. So the emperor, the loyalists have won. The, the traitors are, are gone. They're scattered. They're scattering. <laughs> As they scatter, the dark angels and the ultramarines show up. They're not super excited about this. They're not. Yeah, this is basically a very aggressive. Well, luckily, G-Man's always been the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. The lion is a little vengeful. I think that he should have made his flagship the ultra-vengeful spirit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the vengefuller spirit. Well, the, the lion's first. I'm just going to give this one. Yeah. The lion's first thought is he's going to figure out a way to basically kill all of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's a terrible plan. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I, I got time. Yeah. <laughs> I will figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I won't. I'm, I'm going to clear my schedule. We're doing this. Yeah. He's like, I can make this happen. So all of chaos has to flee. And they basically all go back through the eye of terror. Back, back in well, the war. they get a As they take a very they yeah. take a very leisurely path. Some of them, yeah, some <laughs> of them decide to grab some souls on the way. But the big thing on this is we would go in the future, but to go in what, what has happened, we get ten thousand years mm -hmm. of the emperor being unapproachable, unassailable, and new fluff. We will go into leaving where we are. There's some stuff that's happened, but he has effectively been. A beacon in the dark. I'll give the Dark Knight speech. But he has been. He's been the light in the warp. But, and people know this, some people know and don't know, he's also what is keeping the Chaos Gods at bay. So yeah. he is every single day lighting the, the beacon of Gondor. <laughs> Throwing all the references out. I, I went into the 2000s for that. That's true. That's and, true. But he's, he's letting the beacon, but he's also battling chaos every single day and every single everywhere. He's fighting, literally fighting a spiritual war versus. What I wanted to kind of get more into is like we <clears throat> talk about, and you've, you've talked about this really well with episode Brad, where the Imperium was actually really improving and structuring itself well because you had leadership. Oh, we have none now. It's gone now. And everyone is... Everyone is now spending 10,000 years quoting the guy who's alive but hasn't spoken. So one thing we're going to spend, and Brad and I were actually, we were discussing what we want to cover, and one thing we're going to cover in a future episode is definitely what life is like in the Imperium in the 41st millennia. It's significantly uh, worse. Newsflash, it's awful. Yes, yeah, significantly worse <laughs> well, than it was like, in the You're like, how do people 30s. go to chaos? You're like, 
oh, okay, never mind. I got yeah, it. it. It's and so this is where this is why what you see this little moment here. I mean, it's not a little. This moment here is what sets the whole thing up. The the Horus Heresy set up the the incursion of chaos. It, 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 chaos exists. When we look at what is the grim dark of the forty first millennia, it is based much more heavily around this, around the emperor being both there and not there. It's about you know the the, the factions being splintered. The fact that most of the, the best leaders they had are focused on revenge. Oh, yes, and, and the thing is, is that the entirety of the Imperium becoming this caricature of what the man behind the Imperium wanted. He is now worshipped as a god, which he yeah. wanted to abolish oh, all cool. religious. And he is now the focus of the religion. And because he's the focus of the religion, then the warp exists. We'll get into that in future episodes because... Yes people are willing things into existence. And the thing is, is that it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. The Imperium became in 10,000 years, instead of the guiding light, the, I'll give the Rome, the Roman Empire. It was what people wanted Rome to be and then what Rome became. Exactly. So at this, we will conclude our coverage of the Horus Heresy. We're going to come back in the future to do to help connect the bridges, but we decided for our next bunch of episodes we're going to take a little bit different turn and throw some time to what I would call the Xenos factions. First and foremost, of which being where they all came from, and one of my favorites. One of the things I want to do is we want to do some free form. We wanted to set everything up with here's the Horus Heresy, which is the basis of 40k yeah this is the the first written story this this is the origin of 40k after this we're going to go into free forum and we'd like you to go i'd love you to go to our discord and our facebook lorecast 40k and i just ruined our name the 40k lorecast the 40k lorecast as i said it i went that is completely wrong i'm an idiot feel free to edit that john (laughs) he'll leave it in just to make me feel stupid but well now i will (laughs) <laughs> i was going to edit it no, out but one of the things is we we really want your direction we want to because from now on we're going to just pick but one of the big things is i'd love you guys to show up and just tell us what you think tell us how wrong i am but like tell us what you would like to hear mm-hmm. in future episodes because we've got oh yeah infinite amount of stuff we could do yeah i mean we could if we, we're not going to we could do 100 hours on the orcs by but you're not going to. I mean, I, I try. Um, <laughs> but there's try. so many things to talk about, and I'd love to see what you want to hear first. So, all right. With that, thank you all, and we will see you next time. And again, this is John Barsati and Brad Chester. Scott.